Welcome to the Financial Independence Garage, where we share the tools to improve your finances and unfold the roadmap to financial in what? Financial? What? Financial? Financial. Is that a word? I looked at you and I couldn't read anymore. Yeah, that'll happen. Financial independence. And uh, it is the money mechanic with you as usual and my good buddy, the accountant. And we did not invite the economist. Actually, we did invite the economist. We just don't know where he is. He's mad of mystery. I quite literally have no idea where he is. He could be anywhere in the world. He could be. I think he did say he was leaving town. And unfortunately, he is missing out on our beverages tonight. Yeah, that sucks to be him. So... We are back, sort of. We said we'd be around doing some uh, raw shows, unedited, so bear with us. But we were inspired to do the show because a friend of the show and friend of some of the groups I'm in here sent us some fantastic White Tooth Brewing beverages. Where is White Tooth? Where is White Tooth, you ask? That is what I'm asking, yes. Yes. uh, Well, let's see. Where is White Tooth? It is in Golden, British Columbia. Ah, Golden. Have you been to Golden? Uh, I've passed through Golden. I think I feel that way too. It's kind of like that pass through town. It's yeah. beautiful. Like uh, it's super nice. Ton of uh, summer activities there. Ton of winter activities. That's a lot of heli skiing out of there as well. And I think so. Yeah, hiking and stuff. Yeah, because Golden's where Kicking Horse Resort is, right? You're challenging my geography now. Okay, I think it's pretty close to there. Anyway, Golden BC, this is a brewery we have not tried before. We do appreciate Debbie sending us these beers. We're going to start with, she got she got like wild and crazy, sent us three different beers. Oh, that's exciting. So you and I are going to share because it is kind of, you know, like appropriate. Yes. And the other, we're starting with the Whip Beer, which says, ever squeeze through narrowly spaced obstacles at high speed with a little margin for error? This sounds like you're mountain biking. <laughs> Yes, it does. <laughs> Come thread the needle with one of our refreshing Belgian-inspired wit beer, spiced with coriander, Szechuan pepper, and lemongrass. Interesting. Interesting. So we've been brewing a lot. We've always talked about that. Our We had one be- wit beer that we opened up and we we're like, this is amazing. And then we had our last one was like, it's a wit beer, but... It was pretty average. It could have used some additional coriander and orange notes in it. So let's see what this one pours like nice and clear. And the topic of the show today? I have no idea. <laughs> of, course you, of course you don't. I was just over here. I thought we were just filling kegs. Well, I told you we have beer to drink, so. Well, that's true. But that, that can mean a lot of things. Ooh. Now, okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Tastes like that's been added in afterwards. Tinctured. That's been tinctured for sure. Yeah. So we've been having this discussion around beverages these days because I'm not saying it's bad. Like it's got a nice flavor to it. No, it's got a nice flavor to it, but they Mm -hmm. did not achieve that flavor through fermentation. That's correct. I agree. I feel like it's been tinctured with. Mind you, I mean, they do say they've added in lemongrass and coriander. I think that's a lot of the lemongrass that you're tasting out of that. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not undrinkable i quite like it no it's tasty and considering it's a hot day here it's a a good refreshing beverage so cheers and let's get on with some important fi discussion what are we discussing i thought there's gonna be like 30 seconds of silence there uh no i wasn't gonna completely leave Mm. you hanging did we ever finish my like fi or fire is bs discussion in the last shows i can't remember we did three shows and they got a little explicit and they did get a little explicit there was a lot of beers consumed that day yeah. Oh, so, okay. We, You and I have been talking about uh, energy and oil Yeah. as it is a current event right now. There's been quite a bit of media and I definitely have a low media diet, so I'm not following per se. No. But I did listen to a podcast that talked a lot about the situation in Europe 
You mean how they're screwed? <laughs> in in a word. Yes. In a okay. word. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, interesting. Because like, here in Canada, we should be w- wealthy, rich in our natural resource that we can for energy, but... We should be set right now to supply the world in the current situation, but because we outlawed any investing into infrastructure for energy because oil and gas is evil and everybody hates it, uh, we didn't do that. Yeah. Well, we're not going to get political. I understand. Because this could easily get political. It It is a political discussion. Well, it is a political discussion, though, like Russia controls a good chunk of the world's oil and they're holding the world hostage right now with that. Like if you think that they're losing that war, they're not. Right. And Europe is like sanction whatever you want until you sanction Russian oil. You're not actually sanctioning Russia. Yeah. No, because they still have they're still selling it to India and China. Absolutely. And they're they're selling less of it for a higher amount of money. For a way higher price. Their economy is actually doing better. Yeah, they're fine. So anyway, we don't know. I don't know enough about that to speak intelligently about it. But when it comes to Canadians investing, I've definitely seen people like, and and you talked about earlier in the years, like oil or energy and oil investment. We shouldn't say energy because we should say ONG, oil and gas, because we have talked a little bit about that before. Because we should differentiate alternative and renewable energy sources are totally different when it comes to these economics. For sure. I mean, I think we're under, we're seeing how important energy independence is. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be oil and gas. The no. fact of the matter is that right now, most of the world's energy is oil and gas. Yeah. But as a country, you're pretty helpless if you rely on another country for your energy. Totally. Totally. And we're seeing that across Europe right now. So I was thinking about it from like our investment point of view here in Canada as Canadians. And I think we got lucky with... Well, lucky. A lot of us have too much Canadian home bias. Yes. And as inflation ramped up and all the rest of it, we did better here because, you know, the majority of our holdings are in uh, energy and bank stocks and things like that, even if you're just an index investor. Yeah. So moving forward, I don't think there's any change or play to make as a Canadian investor because even if you just hold like VCN, right? You're already overweight in oil and yeah. banks. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I don't see there's any change. I mean, it's funny how it becomes like this sensational media story. And when you when it gets that loud in the media, you know it's too late anyway to try and do anything about it, right? Of course. So, but I mean, people are like, I'm like, if you're all in VCN, you've got Suncor as like one of your biggest holdings. Yeah. And the trickle down effect of, you know, the global economics is going to impact our prices in Canada as well, right? Oh, big time. So, and the other thing to consider with all the like Canadian and oil and gas companies is none of them are investing. Mm-hmm. So all the money they're making hand over fist with oil prices right now is going to share buybacks and dividends. Right. Like it's all coming back to you as a value add. Like none of it's getting invested into new projects. Right. Which can be good and bad. Obviously there's no new projects to come online to grow earnings and that kind of thing. But I mean. Are you, are you thinking of doing anything different? Like, I mean- it's been a pretty hot summer as far as like energy conservation. Have you thought about changing anything at home to try and oil for heat? So I don't have the option to change to natural gas uh, via pipeline. I could get like a big tank and have natural right. gas furnace. Yeah. Or I could go to a ducted heat um, electric furnace and tag that up with a heat pump. I mean, I could tag anything up with a heat pump. But what, you know, obviously with energy prices out of our control, but basically guaranteed to go up no matter which source you're using. 
how is there any way that we should be trying to mitigate it? I mean, most of us, if people are listening to the show, they probably thought about it from a mustachian perspective and you know, done all the draft seals and checked all your windows and doors and you know, whatever you've done around your house. What's is there anything left to do? Do I is it gonna make a monumental difference in my life? Absolutely not. So this comes back to the same discussion, right? Does it move the needle? It doesn't move the needle. Doesn't move the needle. Like <laughs> But it does. I would consider one day, like, if I'm coming up, I think my roof's probably got, like, three or four years left in it before I need to redo it. And there's some pretty good incentives now for putting in solar panels where you can get, like, a three to four year probable payback period. And I would consider doing that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, But in terms of... You're going to go... So, you pick whatever the cheapest option is right now, which... Maybe in BC, it's electricity. Yeah. And then they jack up electric rates and oil becomes the cheapest thing. And then some people switch to oil and then oil prices fluctuate. Like, <laughs> you're just, what, you're constantly chasing your tail? It's just not worth your time. Well, and that's what I said to you too, when I looked into changing from oil to using, you know, not gas or whatever, is that initial cost of changeover, you have to build that into your long-term return on investment. Yeah. And that's fine. If you if you're in your forever house and you've got another 25 years there and and it's for you and the comfort of your home and family, then it makes sense. But I don't think I have 25 years in this house to justify putting 10 grand into it just to change an energy source. Yeah. And the only reason I could justify changing energy source in my current house is if you're putting in a heat pump so that you then also have AC. Yeah, fair enough. But see, I have a bit of a problem with that. I'm excellent from a comfort point of view, but Basically that it's basically a fridge. It's a condenser. Yes. Right. So it's either running to exchange that heat from in your house to outside during the summer or from outside your house to in, in the winter. So you're running that now 365 days a year. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them are incredibly, like it's way more efficient than baseboard heaters are. Okay. Yeah. Well, I won't argue with that, but I don't have any electricity or sorry, any energy cost for home temperature control from well now well it was a crappy year this year but basically from like may till mid hopefully mid-october yeah so zero costs whereas if i'm running a heat pump guaranteed you're going to want to be comfortable so it's running at 19 and a half degrees for those five months i i don't know i and then the cost of changeover and i know there's lots of rebates going after it but i'm not sure i'm not sure yeah it's i don't think it's something you're doing with money in mind i think you're doing mm. it with your own comfort in mind mm-hmm. I am somewhat regretful that I looked like all winter in the classifieds to snag a used air conditioner unit and I never pulled the trigger. I never found the right deal. And here we are. <laughs> Rookie mistake. I know. I know. See, this is, I, I saw the summer coming and made sure I had an AC unit for the bedroom. It, you know, it toughens you up though. Uh, when you have a pregnant wife, <laughs> the last thing you want is a boiling hot bedroom. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Yeah, well, I think energy is going to play a, a bigger and a bigger role uh, going forward in the next few years. Discussions about it becoming as almost like a currency or really affecting each country's economies and, and things like that. Well, we were also talking about earlier, um, you know, we saw a lot of globalization in the past mm. long period of time. Yeah. But... When things go badly, globalization's not great for a lot of places. You know, if what most of the world's grain supply right now comes out of the Ukraine. Yep. 
so something goes badly there and a bunch of people starve. Yeah. Like I'm wondering if more and more countries are going to start looking like, hey, maybe we should actually produce a little bit of everything that we need to survive so that if anything happens, we can actually take care of ourselves. Yeah. Well, food independence, energy independence. Those well, are the two big ones. Right. And I mean, some countries are, have more opportunity for that than the others, but if you have the opportunity, you should be, well, should be doing it. And we as Canadians should be 100% food and energy independent. You would think so. I, somehow I, we're not. Somehow we're we not. should be. I'm going to I'm gonna throw my mother under the bus right now. I hope she doesn't oh, listen to this podcast. that's staring. <laughs> I know, right? But this is legit because it's a, it's a long story about butter, which, <laughs> which I won't go into the whole story of the butter, but there's this grass-fed butter that's delicious, okay? Okay. And we don't use much butter, but when you do, you want to use high-quality butter. Are you with me? I'm still sitting here. <laughs> yeah. So my mother lives very close to the U.S. border. Right. On the mainland. So she pops across the border. And this is the thing we did as a kid, too. You pop across the border to get gas and milk and eggs because they're super cheap on the U.S. side. Of course. And nobody really thought much about, you know, like farm to table or like, what do they call it? Like the 100 kilometer, 100 mile diet or whatever it is, right? Yeah. So anyway, she gets this Washington State Kerrygold grass-fed butter that's fantastic. And then she messaged me the other day, shows me a pack. She goes, look at this. This package of butter is $3 cheaper than the one she's been buying, right? And butter is actually quite expensive for, you know, a pound block of butter. Yeah. And I'm reading the package because she sent me some pictures. It's from freaking New Zealand. Like, what's the carbon cost of this butter? And how are they selling it for $3 cheaper than what's made in the state? Like churned, milked, churned, and everything in that state. Like that, that actually pisses me off. Well, that's the other one. That's part of the global economy that's just totally screwed. I know that oil and gas is bad for the environment and all that crap. I get it. Yeah. I, I, no one's disagreeing with that. But I don't know, like, what do, have – they probably have done studies, but, like, how bad is global shipping for well, emissions? That's my point, right? Like why, we're moving shit all <laughs> over the place yeah. that doesn't necessarily need to move. Why can't the people in New Zealand eat the New Zealand butter and the people in Canada eat the Canadian butter? Like, what? It, agreed. Agreed, right? And the the thing is, is this was in a Costco. So, you know, this is not just isolated to, you know, no, that's Washington. On a grand it's like scale, across right? the states or whatever. Like, they are importing – probably shiploads of New Zealand butter. Of course. Which is great that New Zealand is exporting their product and making money off it. But it, to me, it speaks to one of those things where we all kind of think, oh, well, I'm doing my part by riding a bicycle and doing this. And then you show up and buy one pound of butter from New Zealand and you kind of screw that all up because the amount of cost of shipping that is just insane. Yeah, it's crazy. Insane. Because it got to be refrigerated the whole way too. Yeah. Uh, uh, like, come on. Yeah. Anyway, that was my little rant. Sorry, mom. Thanks yeah. for thanks for bringing me butter though. <laughs> never, there will never be another block of butter in my no, in never, my future. Never, you're done. Should we grab another bev? Yes, we definitely need another beverage. Mm. What's up next on the uh, uh, beverage I train? I think the next one is the I I read all three of them before the show. Do you not remember either? No, I just didn't listen to you. <laughs> Why is that complex? Yeah, I know, right? Uh, well, there's a session ale, and the other one's a mystery. But that's going to be the mystery one first. One sec, I'll go to the fridge. Talk amongst yourself. It's hard without the economist here where I just have to talk about this. Are you hobbling? Tell me a leg story. Are you just hobbling around? I did. It takes a while for the groin to warm up. Wow. How old are you now? 70? 75? Hey, there's, there's a lot of complaining 
in the brewing garage from physical exertion. Well, but I'm broken. It's different. Oh, yes. Okay, this is another white tooth brewing. Uh, oh, what's the name of this fly on it? You're a fly fisherman. Uh, isn't that a long jack donkey gong striped walnut? <laughs> <laughs> I love how like all fly names have like these wicked, awesome, crazy names. Uh, I mean, it's some kind of nymph, I think. <laughs> some kind of nymph? Yeah. You could have come up with some better. Oh, we got to do a water rinse. Well, then do your water rinse. Give me a little pour. Don't oh. use my computer as a napkin. Look, you are so, using my you're right so hand. left-handed, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. You should never ask me to do anything with my right hand. Hmm. Okay, Saison. So, this is a Saison. Oh, I should have poured yours first. Oh, you get to read then, because you get to pour and read while get I get to drink. Saison should be pretty close. So, it's interesting because we brew our wit or our Saison, or they kind of cross over, don't they? Like, uh, we use... Uh, a yeast strain that's similar. For a saison? No, we don't. Just, just read the can. <laughs> You're an idiot. Our farmhouse ale, fruity, dry, and refreshing, is the perfect victory beer after an evening of casting a dry fly while enduring a Columbia Valley mosquito hatch. <laughs> By enduring, yeah, I can imagine. That wouldn't be the best, would it? Hmm. Did you pour some? Oh, you're not. I'm weak. I thought we were on side here. Oh, my God. You're, you're a lot mm. to deal with. That's why we need the economist here. Ground us. Where do we think he is in the world, anyway? I think North America. I don't you think, think he's still in North America. I don't think he leaves North America very often. Uh, that's a good saison. Well, I haven't tried it yet, have I? You know, one of the things we've been complaining about at certain breweries is they're using a similar yeast strain for each one of their beers. But I these hate ones, it. Drives me insane. Yeah, these ones actually are true to true to form. I think. That's a nice saison, actually. Yep. That's really nice. That's actually pretty close to what we've been making. From what? The WB06. We don't make a saison. I, well, I know. We call it a wit, but I think it's more of a saison. It's not. We'll have this discussion after the show. <laughs> when the mics... People really don't want to hear us argue about what we're making. Okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe some of them do. Yeah, some probably do. Some definitely do. Uh, I think it's great. Yeah, this is delicious. I, I apologize for not having the mosquitoes to let out of the bag in the room here. To uh, I'm quite okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> they were bad a few weeks ago. I've, I've had a lot of damage lately from mosquitoes. Um, the other thing that we wanted to talk about was we, we did a show, I don't know, it was probably a year ago, whatever. How much do your hobbies cost? <laughs> yeah. And so since both of us are have transitioned and learned that we don't want to not work. Right. But even working on your own terms, please don't give Mark a shout out with Fiwood. I won't. We just did. Um, you did. I know. I know. <laughs> Is that the cost of your hobbies or potential? Like I was just looking at a potential trip and I was just going like, huh, that's a big hit on the old budget for, for being coast fi. Yeah. So how have you found the summer of leisure? Because you've had all the time in the world. I have not worked a lot in July and August. That's correct. But you've been very effective with your time. You've done all the fun things that you want to do. I've done a lot of stuff. Cool. Which is awesome. How's that fit into the budgeting going forward? I mean, it's been, I've definitely spent more money than I normally would 
the last little while. But I never played the game that close to the margins anyway. Right. I mean, you're spending on experiences too, right? It's not like yeah. you're buying things. No, I'm not buying crap. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I leave in two days for a five day fishing trip in Panfield. So that's going to be great. Yeah. Fantastic. Right. It I mean, cost me a bunch of money, but who cares? I could, yeah. I mean, no, we're not here, but my, the point I wanted to make in that show and that I'm making here is that the hardest part I've had is the psychology of not knowing there's another paycheck. And so having to come up with that, it's not that you can't come up with the money. It's that you go it, almost like it, once it's spent, it's gone. Yes. Type thing, which is going from having an abundance mindset when you're saving hard and working towards a goal to then going, Oh, uh, there will be more pay. I just don't know when. And you, you slip into a scarcity mindset. See, I don't, I think feel that I personally have gone the other way. Oh, really? Yeah. You've gone abundance or you've gone like, you're just spending now. Well, you're more comfortable with it. I've gone more abundance where I agree with you. Like, I don't know when my next paycheck is coming in, but I also know that if the entire time since I quit in February, we're recording this right now in mid August, it's never taken me more than one phone call to get work. Yeah. So when I need money, I know I can earn it. I think this is one of the most critical things for anybody that's considering leaving work or coast firing or whatever. Like, I think we agree that trying to get to fire specifically is kind of a waste of energy. It's a complete waste of energy. Get Do what you want to do earlier. Way earlier. Or, or plan to be part-time or coast fi fire, whatever you want to do. But I think the critical thing that we've learned out of this is be keep your contacts, stay you know fresh with your career, your skill set. Keep building your skill set. Yeah, so that you can hopefully turn it on like like a faucet if you wanted to. Yeah, right. I mean, you have the luxury as as an accountant to be able to do that, and I have the luxury as a mechanic to be able to do that. Yes. Some careers are not going to be that easy. No, that that's not going to work for everybody for sure. But but if you have that option, like I actually enjoy my job again. Right. Like I went to work today. I had a good day. Right. I go in, I do some work. I like a couple of the guys I'm working with right now. We go out for lunch. I come when I want, I go when I want. It doesn't matter. And think about, and this was what, probably eight years ago or so you had the job, like a full-time accounting gig with a department and you could still be there. You could have moved up the ladder doing the nine to five. But it just shows the transition sometimes brings you opportunities. Oh, it brings you way better opportunities a right? lot of the time. Yeah. Did I tell you, I think I might go work at the local grocery store? <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> I mean, seriously, what is, the, what is the second biggest cost impact of inflation right now? Groceries. Thank you. So <laughs> how do you mitigate this? <laughs> Not by working at the grocery store. <laughs> yes. What, how do you that I'm looking at it as a fun opportunity to meet new people, branch out, learn new things. You're if, not, are you not supporting this? I'm not supporting it. No. <laughs> we, know, we know I'm not supporting it. Well, but think about it though, right? I mean, it's, it's two minutes from my house. I can walk there in five minutes, right? Yeah. I, I only want a couple shifts a week for a few hours, whether it's, you know, in the warehouse, in the back part. I always want to know what's going on in the back of a grocery store. <laughs> It's like magic back there. How do they have all this stuff? And it, anyway, I don't know. I'm just thinking it's the luxury of having time is choosing things to do. And 
although I'm not bored per se, it's nice to just actually go and do something and earn a couple bucks. I mean, the money's kind of inconsequential. What am I going to earn in eight hours at a grocery store? Well, yeah, that's the thing is if we're actually looking at it from a money perspective, yeah, it makes no sense because you could just go do like four hours of your actual job and do much well, better. If I could literally just request four hours of work, which I can't. Right. I guess that's true. So I'm thinking of it as an opportunity to go and do something different. Know when every grocery sale is on. You're going to be happy when it's two for one meat day. Because <laughs> you're going to get a call from me going, it's two for one meat day. Get down here. Okay. Sure. <laughs> well, I know. I thought you'd embrace my dreams, but. I mean, I would rather you would go and get a job at a brewery so we get more beer. But That, that also has been on my mind of things to do. Uh, that I've thought of. Okay. But... Maybe I'll do that. But honestly, like the time spent on leisure is only so much. Well, there's and I don't have kids, so I, that's not a time necessity for me that I have to budget in. So why not go and do something different, interesting? You know, it's it's like it could be a three month job, it could be a month. Like who? It doesn't matter. I, like why don't I just go try all sorts of fun things? I kind of wanted to work at a hardware store, but I see the grocery store being more economically impactful. Actually, probably, yeah. But, but you can walk away anytime you want. Of course you can. Yeah. But that's the case for everyone most of the time. It should be. It should be. Yeah. But I understand what you're saying. It is interesting now how quickly, like, you always think that one day you're going to be able to tackle that to-do list. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much time you have. It's never, ever, ever going to get done. Oh, so I saw a tweet from Liquid the other day. And so have you heard of, I'm going to get this wrong. That's why I'm typing really quickly. Patterson's Law. No. I better check whether I got that right. I'm pretty sure. Oh, wait, there's a Patterson's Law Firm. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's Peterson's. It's one of the two. I'd have to look back in my tweets, but... Oh, it's Peterson's Law. Oh, there's a Peterson's Law Firm as well. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll keep... I'll, I, well, I'll talk and type. You, you we talk. know you can't multitask. <laughs> what is the law? We don't need... Just give us the gist of it. We don't care what it's actually called. You, well, it'll be in the show notes, right? You're going to do those? No. No, I didn't think so. There's not a chance. <laughs> no, it's the uh, the law or the rule says that, I think it's a rule, it's not a law, it's the rule says that a a task will expand or contract accordingly with the time that you have to accomplish it. Oh, yeah, that's a very common Yeah, so rule. if like, you know, you got two hours to do something, it'll probably take you an hour and 45 minutes. But the same thing could probably be done in 45 minutes. Yes. So... Are we a victim of that now that our schedule has become looser, shall we say? Depends on the day, I would say. I, well, you just said you're not as productive or you don't get the to-do list done. Why not? Well, I never got the to-do list done. <laughs> it's a personal problem, not Peterson's Law. <laughs> yeah, no, that's just standard. Oh, okay, so, well, this leads me into the next one is we've talked, do you want to Keep going on that Peterson's law or Patterson's law or it starts with a P. I'm sure <laughs> it is. I'm sure. sure. I'll look it up before the end of the show. I'll let people know. Uh, what we talked about well, talking about time was, is how much are you DIYing and how much are you going to outsource? I have started to outsource everything, but why it's costing you money. Yeah. But I can just go work 
and then I don't have to do the things. I am paying to take things out of my brain. My brain is very crowded. It's full of a bunch of crap that needs to get done. And I am willing to pay to have to take those things out of my head. And I Parkinson's think, law. Oh my God. Sorry. Parkinson's. I knew it started with the P. It took you so long to get there. Parkinson's law is the old adage that work expands to fill the time allotted for its completion. There you go. Sorry. Yes. I had to get that in there. So speaking of time allotted, you don't want to allot your time to DIY tasks. No. No, I don't. Because you have the luxury of going and trading your time for money. Yeah. And then that is generally a better... I'm usually getting more bang for my buck. It's a better value proposition. Yes. Most yeah. of the time. The other one that I find, which is part of the to-do list problem now, is without the constant work distraction, the list gets longer just because the things I can think of to do keep getting longer too. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know what? It'd be really nice to fix that, which might never not have even been on my <laughs> radar, but yeah. now it's on my to-do list of stuff that needs to get done. Yeah. So I think that is plays a part in it as well. But I still stand by the, if you're going to be bored, you're boring. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, I, I agree with that. But I think it's interesting that, you know, as when I first started reading Mr. Money Mustache and I was, I'm a do it DIY type person. Yes. And I get enjoyment out of a lot of it. But there's definitely things like for me, when they say DIY, it involves tools, fixing, repairing, building. But when it comes to like digging in my garden and pruning trees and doing that, that's not an enjoyable task for me. I can, I can do it, but I'd rather somebody else did it for me. And I think that's important to clarify is yeah. there are still a bunch of quote unquote DIY things that I do, Yeah, but I only do things I enjoy anymore. Right. I'm not willing to do stuff. To save money because it means I can technically do it. Right. I'm not doing that. Well, it's an interesting discussion though, right? Because, you know, when you're on your path to FI, you cut all that stuff out because you're like, well, I'm not going to pay 300 bucks a month for a gardener when I'm physically capable of walking out the doors and doing it myself. Right. I mean, that is the, that is the discussion. That is the sort of the mentality, that's the mustachian atti attitude of like, why would you pay somebody when you can just go do it? Now, time is the, the of the essence there. And the argument is, well, when you're fire, you have nothing but time. So why wouldn't you just go do it? Well, I think that's twofold. A, if you hate it and you can afford to pay for somebody to do it, then spend on the things you love. And cut everything else ruthlessly. It's just being mindful with your spending. If you hate it, remove it from your life. If you can afford it, no matter what. The difference, I think, because I have ability to just go pick up an hour of work here, an hour of work there. Why would I ever go spend three hours doing something I can pay and then just go work for those three hours anyway? Right. So then this comes in. Not everybody has that. We ha absolutely have to acknowledge that, that you're ability to do that is fantastic, but it comes back to what we were saying a little bit earlier is if you have the opportunity to maintain uh, some form or level of work, maybe you have to go in four days a month and you don't want to, but those four days you could arbitrage against the time you don't want to spend digging in the garden or 
painting your siding or washing your car, whatever it is that you don't like doing, uh, you know, think of it in that sense, right? Is well, you're, you're arbitra- arbitraging your professional wage against tasks that you don't want to do. Yeah, exactly. I think we almost need to transition the whole or redefine the whole financial independence thing as lifestyle design. Give me the name. Oh, I shook it up. I don't know if you got much other. I get some of the first one. Uh, yeah. It's all about lifestyle design, right? Yeah, that's right. And I, right now I love my life. It's awesome. So I'm very happy with everything that's going on. So, so who cares? So our new acronym is filled (laughs) financial independence, lifestyle design. Sure. Filled. Okay. I like that. Ooh, that's not bad, eh? That's not great. <laughs> not super, not as catchy as fire? Mm-mm. I'm not fire, I'm filled. <laughs> no, it's no. bad. <laughs> it's not good. But you are absolutely right. It is all about lifestyle design. Yeah. You know, because we're not talking about a whole bunch about money on this show anymore because investing is easy. Index and forget. In- index and fat. Put a... That, that, that put as much money away as you can, as fast as you can, for as long as you can, and it'll, it'll do its heavy lifting. Yeah, 100%. I should update you on Epic, though. Oh, there's an Epic update. Oh, I got a big letter in the mail the other day. Oh, I can't wait. I hope it's a class action lawsuit. It is, isn't it? It's similar. It's similar. Let me get the other beer and we can talk about it. I can't wait to hear all yeah. about it. There's, well, Yeah, okay. Hold on. Stand by. <laughs> do I need to keep talking, or is this going to actually <laughs> no, get cut out? you hobbling again yet. Yeah, you. I probably should have been the one to get up. Though I'm not in much better shape than you right now. Usually it's the Achilles heel that, uh, Achilles tendon that the middle-aged athlete pulls. But this time it was the groin. Are you going to ask me what sport I was playing? No. <laughs> I specifically am not going to ask you. Uh, yeah, so... A whole have, bunch. They, have they fled the country? Uh, well, without a doubt. Uh, I don't think we need to uh, dress our glasses up with water this time. This is a session ale. Oh. Uh, this is a, another White Tooth Brewing session ale. Oh, I wanted to also shout out to Debbie for sending us these. And I chatted with her. And she kind of said the same thing as what we just sort of finished talking about. Where she's like, I've dialed everything in. I've optimized everything. I've got a good savings rate. And she's like, now what? I'm like, you're doing awesome. Like now it's just keep doing it. Yeah. Like do whatever you want to do. And then in like three, four or five years, boom, it's like life is completely different at that point. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. So anyway, thanks again for the beverages and congrats. Much on Much appreciated. Yeah. And congrats on getting everything optimized and uh, on your way to FI or, or filled. <laughs> Right when he was taking a drink. That was perfect. <laughs> oh, it went right up my nose. <laughs> Still got it. Still got it. Oh, that hurt. I am not a comedian, but that timing is impeccable. Oh. God. You're a jerk. <laughs> oh, that was special. Our session ale is the perfect way to quench your thirst after a great climb. Dust off your hands, grab an easy drinking white tooth session ale, and enjoy the mountain view. How high did you say you climbed on the weekend? 2,100 meters. Yeah, I use a helicopter. It's way easier. That's a lot easier. There's a reason (laughs) I can barely walk right now. Uh, So Epic Alliance, as many listeners will know, was the 
Saskatchewan real estate company that went bankrupt last year, left a lot of people in the lurch with promissory notes and fund to flips and hassle-free landlord programs. And uh, unfortunately, we, well, unfortunately, I'm part of that. So uh, I got sucked into it as well. And we did kind of report on it at the time over a year ago when we first talked about it. We thought it was a good investment, but that has proven wrong. And I accept responsibility for saying that. I know I've had a comment I've got a release on here. Somebody saying we should never say a thing, but hey, you know what? There's like a thousand investors that got screwed, not just me. It was also on bigger pockets and yeah, many other it podcasts. It was all over the place. So it's not like it's not like it was so obvious everybody knew at the time. Also now's a great time to say, as we always say, this is for entertainment purposes only. Yeah. So no not any breaking news here, but I did get a uh, just throwing out a number there, there was seven digits of promissory notes outstanding so for those people i my heart goes out to you and and i don't know if there's any money to be found and it was basically uh documentation about a civil suit that's going on so i'm glad there is a suit going on and and i hope there's uh people get some money back and, and closure and can deal with it there's it's uh it's an interesting story and i think more will come out in the future that we can all learn from the ponzi scheme that is the canadian real estate market uh, well so we've talked, we've joked about this. We've talked about it before. If you set something up from the very beginning to defraud people, it's very obvious it's a Ponzi scheme. But a lot of things come out in retrospect where they go, oh, that's a Ponzi scheme, but it didn't look like it for eight years. Yeah. Well, it's just the whole things not being sustainable though. Like, yeah, I've, I'm always looking for properties and rentals and things like that. And the last five plus years, the numbers have made sense on nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Well, cautionary tale, obviously with Epic, but I think cautionary tale for real estate investors in general, because we don't know what's going to happen with Canadian housing, but obviously there's already been a bit of a turn, especially in some of the bigger centers. And people were piling in. You know, it was, it's so easy to see in retrospect, right? And I mean, I got caught up in it too. I'm like, oh, let's get in, get in, get in the euphoria. And then you're like, oh, well, oh, what, what rate, is, rates can go up. Uh oh. What does 14 straight years of basement interest rates do? Yeah. Like everybody complains about, like, you look at the wealth gap and you look at all these other things. Well, yeah. When it's free to borrow money, but the only people who can qualify to borrow the money are the wealthy. Yeah. They can continually borrow more and more money to make themselves more and more money. Yeah. No, it doesn't work. At almost no cost to themselves because what some of this was at 1% rates, one and a half percent rate. Like, oh, yeah. That's free money. Yeah. 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 Well, we also have discussed before, not on the line on the show, but it's like, what happens to those people that are massively leveraged into investments that are going to have to renew mortgages at two, three, four, well, not two, three, four, but two percent higher? And how are they servicing that debt if they no longer have cash flowing rental properties? Yeah. Like, uh-oh, uh-oh. Yeah. It's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. But back to sort of like the cautionary tale of real estate is there are a ton of people. Hey, we can say shit ton, can't we? Why not? Yeah, we're raw now. <laughs> I should have waited till you had a beer in your mouth for that Oh, one. my God. There's a ton of people out there in real estate that you should be careful of. Mm -hmm. 
because they are out there to make money, not necessarily to make you money. How many realtors do you think disappear over uh, the next? Oh, because the next cycle here, real estate's not a sure thing anymore. There's no thirty percent gains next year. Well, you're you can't just flip houses nonstop all day. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, Session ale, average, not the best. It's not bad, but it's not uh, the the saison was way better. Saison was the best. Yeah. Yeah. Best or whip beer? It was the best. Whip beer was second. Session last. We are sharing these beers. They're not full cans. By, yeah, we're by not. The way. Yeah, we're not. That would three be cans that would be savage this quickly. Yeah, that would not be great. <laughs> yeah, uh, honey, I won't be home in time for dinner. No, I wouldn't be home. I may not be home today. Probably wouldn't have been home. I forget Tommy all three. Now you keep bringing up uh, to to wrap this up here. You keep bringing up a discussion about whether now is the time to start paying down unsecured debt or to keep investing. Not unsecured, any debt. Well, any debt, yeah. There is definitely a crossover point with interest rates where it starts to make more sense to pay down debt. And from an accounting or an economic or money point of view, what do you think that is? I would say if you have debt above 6%, it starts to make sense to pay it down. So using your 6% number, I'm assuming you're thinking of long-term growth of a equity fund or in equity index expected 10-year return is going to be around the same or higher. I'm going to bet it's higher, but, but I that's still, kind of like where you figure. Yeah. I, I still, if you have mortgage, like let's say you have a rental property and it's still producing good cash flow, but all of a sudden you're going to renew and your mortgage that was at 2% is at 6 and you know, you've, you're still covering yourself, I would hope, um, but your margins are a lot smaller. Well, that kind of acts like a bond, doesn't it? Basically. All of a sudden, if you're paying off, you're getting a 6% return on a bond. It's a pretty secure investment. You're paying down debt. I think a lot of people are going to see that, yeah, debt's really great during the bull market, and it really sucks during the crash. Right. And that's where everybody who was being pretty conservative with what they were using their debt for is probably going to be fine for the next little while. I mean, we still have more rate hikes in store. If you think they're done, you're sorely mistaken. Yeah. Well, what did they say? 75 in September? They're no, talking, they're saying one, weren't they? They just did one. They're not going to do another one, I wouldn't think. Yeah. Well, we're guessing it. Uh, maybe, yeah, we're guessing shot in the dark. Who knows? Yeah, anyway. But yeah, no, interesting concept, right? It was like, at what point do you choose debt over invest? Yeah. Which is like opposite of what we've talked about for three years because you're like- Because it didn't make sense for three years. Yeah, of course. But how, what? But how do you pivot now if you've gotten yourself into a whole bunch of leverage? Like if that's invested leverage, then I guess that's okay. But it all depends. It all depends, yeah. Yeah. But that's again where you had to be cautious going into that leverage. Mm-hmm. And that's where, like I had said it before on the show, I will never buy a house that doesn't cash flow. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't ever consider it. Because- mm-hmm. What happens in this scenario? Well, and that was that's my point just a minute ago was everybody can make the numbers work at a 2% mortgage. Yeah. But there's no chance it works at 4%. No. And like, sure, they did the stress test on you so you could get that mortgage, but they don't care that now your property is not cash flowing anymore. They didn't do that stress test. No. I've had, I've had cash flow on my rentals probably cut in half this year. Yeah. Due to rising interest rates. Yeah. 
And it's fine because I knew that interest rates had to go up one day and that was all part of the plan. But if you don't have that buffer built in, Mm -hmm. that's why you have to, if you're going to buy, you can't assume that everything will be the same later down the road. Like you have to have that cash flow buffer. No, definitely. Because what happens if you bought a house with $100 a month in cash flow and all of a sudden your mortgage payments are up $800 this year thanks to rates going up and you being on a variable? Well, now you're out of pocket $700 a month? Yeah, well, exactly. And I think this also shines light on, we we talked about the theory of like, you don't have to hit a fire number or FI number, you can hit an FI cash flow. Yes. But that cash cash flow is tenuous. If if there is debt involved, it can be tenuous for sure. Right. Well, not only if there's debt involved, depending on what assets you have that are producing that cash flow. Yep. Right. I had all my cash flow dry up. It happens. So it's not <laughs> really the dog's to get, dying like, over what? there. <laughs> one dog cough into the show. Eh? Yeah, Just, for sure. He's like, I'm getting in there no matter what. <laughs> my brother's not in here to fart them out of the room. So. <laughs> How you doing, Pedro? <laughs> yeah, it's... I, I, you know, another thing too is GICs are now paying 4% again. Well, but doesn't this all just come back to having tools in the toolbox? Yep, totally. Like times are going to change, things are going to be different, and you're mm-hmm. going to need some skills, and you're going to need to be able to pull different levers. Yep. Agreed. And at the end of the day, like maybe this is where, yeah, cash flow is very important, but then also understanding that you have a chunk of capital and you may need to deploy it in different areas to generate the cash flows you need. Yeah. You know, maybe your private lending dries up and there's not as many deals out there, so you're not getting 12% anymore, but hey, GICs actually could be considered worth buying now that they're somewhere in the 4% range. I would argue that at 9% inflation, I'm still not buying a 4% GIC, but yeah, I digress. Yeah. No, well, you make the perfect point to end the show is that the whole part of the journey to financial independence is gaining those tools, getting the education, learning about more than just one thing. I mean, I get it. Everybody loves to just index and forget, but I think learning a bit more about personal finance and general finance and investing helps for when you have to pivot, not saying you should make drastic changes, but understand how the cycle changes what's worthwhile and what's not worthwhile. Yeah. Right. I mean, I see lots of people posting like, oh, is the Smith maneuver still worth it? Well, yes. If you're in a high tax bracket and you're buying in you're buying into a low market and you have a 25 year time frame. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It still makes sense. Who cares if your HELOC is 5%, it still makes sense for the next 25 years. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so it's and I think that's all just part of the education that this path to FI should be about. Yeah. Yeah. You feeling filled? <laughs> it's the worst acronym you've created yet. Is it? Damn. Yes. You know you're you you do not like your lifestyle design? No, I like lifestyle design. I mm. just hate your acronym. All right. Well, uh, thank you again for the beverage that were sent to us. Uh, shout out to White Tooth Brewing in Golden British Columbia. We've we've ranked your beers in order of appreciation, and it is Saison number one, Whip Beer number two, and the Session Ale a close number three. I wouldn't say no to this. No, I wouldn't say no to it. Yeah. But it's just not quite as good as the others. Yeah. I'm not trying to downplay it. I'm just saying it's no. not as good as the others. Well, yeah. I mean, if we started this one first, it might have been a different story. 
I don't think it would have been. Okay, that's fine. All right, well, that's FI Garage for this week. And uh, maybe we'll get the economist back on the show in September. If we can find him. We don't know where in the if world he is. You have not tagged him yet? Oh, we should do that. We should, we should give him a little him. chip yeah, so we, we know where him. he is. Yeah. We should give him a watch for his birthday. That would be really smart. Tracking. Apple Watch. Find my watch. Tra- yeah, we'll program it. <laughs> All right. Alberta is doing well out there in FI land. Don't say it. Don't say it. That was (laughs) F-I-L.